breaking news. A murder mystery emerges in the woods. Three people are dead. Police are now on a manhunt for the killer, and they are searching across Florida. In a house in Chuliota, police discovered a family murdered. A couple in their 50s and their son in his 30s were found dead. And now, this just in, the prime suspect is a family member, Grant Amato. Officials say he is armed and dangerous. Tell us what happened, Grant. I didn't do any of the... Do you not feel bad for doing this to your family? Do you know, I don't remember the name, his face. This is a new case for me. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to play that clip, because, and we're going to play some more clips of him, but this is probably going to be the most unusual motive you're going to encounter in case. And we have to get technical. And with watching the whole iPhone situation before we got started, guys, you know, I mean... <laughs> Doesn't build, you know, confidence here, but I'm going to try to explain the best I can. Uh, and we have an audience. This is the first time we've ever had an yeah. audience. Yes. Best friend Susan is here. Welcome. Yes. yes, yes. Welcome. But we got Elena, mm -hmm. Mom. And then, of course, I'm Sherry, and this is Outline of a Murder. But once again, I've not been ready with the mom saying. All right, here we go. Mom is so clever that sometimes she doesn't even know a single word of what she's saying. That's how clever she is. That is spot on. Right there. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Every episode, this is what they spot do. Spot on. It's always a mom. I want to do a, a daughter one. No. no. You're good. Mm -mm. Okay, no. so. So, our drinks bartenders, we now have Elena rejoining us for this episode, and she has made us some goodness. So, please describe. Yes, so we have a Prosecco with apple cider and cinnamon stick. This is a redo, a fall oh, yeah. uh, yes. cocktail redo. Yeah, because the champagne was a little bit bitter, I think, yeah, the first one. So mm -hmm. she's really good. made this for us. All right, it's mm -hmm. time for the taste test. Okay. Oh. Mm -hmm. That was pretty good. Okay. I like it. Thank you, sister. Large. Yeah, I almost swallow mine each time, but you almost swallow it. No, it's good. I'm gonna have to say a four point five. Yeah. Me too. What's the one I gave a five to? You didn't. I thought I did. I nope. thought you did too. I did. The one. The spritz. Yeah, you gave a five oh. to the spritz. The spritz was a five. I thought it was mm -hmm. four point five. No, mine was four point seven five. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's really good. Though. It is spritz. good. I like this. It one. is good. I like it. Oh, a lot. did we vote? Did we give numbers? Mm -hmm. Uh huh. Oh, where, did, where, where were you? But well, I didn't get to give mine. Well, well you made it. Well, go ahead. Well, no. I give I give numbers too, Mom. Well, I give one. Sorry. I mean, Sherry gave her, so we're done. <laughs> <laughs> What's your number? Four. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a good one. I like that. This is gonna be one I finish. Oh, me too. <laughs> I finished one. Are you going to be okay with the size of the cinnamon stick? You're being a little ridiculous. Okay. Look at this. It looks like a cigar. Well, hey. it's all I had, Mom. All right. 
That's good. That's Thanks, good. Sherry. All right. Yeah. Okay, so like I said... That's good. I might need another one. Do you need a five? Do you need to redo your number? No. Okay. All right. So while y'all are passing the drink to best friend Susan, I first saw this case on Signs of a Psychopath. And it is a really, really good series. There's, I think, only two seasons maybe. But it goes into like the interviewing of the psychopath. And the first season, I kept getting irritated with the um, the investigators because, like, for example, women especially, you know, you'd have this, this psychopath in front of you that killed an entire family right. or whatever, right? And they're like, well, don't you feel bad for what you did? And so the, you know, psychopath would be like, no. Because they don't feel. Right. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, why are you asking that question? That is a stupid question question to ask a psychopath of course they don't mm -hmm. uh that levi guy that killed over in was it plainview or plano texas and killed grandview the, or plano yeah killed the uh everybody and thought he got the little girl but she played dead and he's on death row and they asked him you know do you feel bad for what you did and he was very honest he said no he said the only thing i kind of feel bad about is the little girl i rendered her life better than that no I mean, just, he was like, you know, so honest and that he absolutely feels nothing. Mm -hmm. So it, it's a really interesting series. So with this one, this guy, Grant Ar uh, Amato, there were definitely some red flags with him. And uh, also, it's kind of a little bit of a different twist. You know, normally we're doing like intimate partner homicide or domestic abuse, things like that. This is actually to me, a great example of a family unit that may have someone that's dangerous inside of it and to look for red flags. And I, I mean, personally, I don't, I think they could have done maybe a couple things differently actually, but I don't think they could have done much different. I think either way, he was probably gonna uh, get rid of them. So the family, they seem like a typical modern American family, mm -hmm. uh, middle class, uh, they have, you know, of course, the good and the bad stuff that you might see, but there wasn't any abuse. There was no violence. There was nothing to contribute to, you know, this kid being messed up. It was just a normal family. And uh, so this is um, Chad, the dad, and then this is Margaret, and they lived in Chula, Chula Uda, Chula Uda, Florida, in a nice neighborhood with their two boys. So you've got... Um, I believe this is Cody over here, and this is Grant. That's Jason. So he was from a different marriage, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it was, I thought it was her first marriage. I think I have it sometime in there. Yeah, it was her son from a previous relationship, which he looks like her. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then Chad adopted him at the age of three, but he didn't live with them at the time of the crime. He lived in uh, Winter Springs, Florida. The father? No, uh, Jason, the oh. oldest. So at the time, it was just Cody and Grant that lived with the parents. Okay. Now, at the time of the murder, uh, Margaret was 61, and she was a mortgage loan underwriter, and then Chad was 59. I had a rough time finding when they got married. I know it was in the 80s because Grant was born in 87, or Cody was born in 87 and Grant was born in 89. So they were obviously together, but I'm, I'm not sure how 
long and it was really hard to get some background information about them and I think this is another this is closer uh, they were teenagers and um, let me see if I have any other <clears throat> that's the father pictures. and those are the two kids mm-hmm. no nope, that's it as far as the family yeah so they're teenagers there and Chad and Margaret were really hard workers so you know she's the loan underwriter and he's a pharmacist at CVS Health and he loved computers uh, he called himself a self-taught computer guru and uh, let's see oh that was when they got married that she was a loan underwriter at the time of the murders she was a senior operations manager at Nuance Transportation uh, Services and their home was spacious it was a four bedroom 2.9 acre property uh, it sounded like it was a really neat place to live that little community it uh, was like 25 miles east of Orlando so they have you know access to you know the large larger city and fun things to do and what, it was very s- rural though <coughs> only had 2483 residents that's pretty small mm-hmm. what'd you say he did uh, he was a pharmacist at CBS pharmacist mm-hmm yeah, so they, they did pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, where they lived was settled shortly after the Civil War. Now, the couple, Chad and Margaret, had just bought a, a house in Tennessee. And they were getting close to retirement, and they wanted to live out there, which I wouldn't mind living in Tennessee. I think it's a pretty neat uh, state. Mm-hmm. The entire family loved football, and they were all huge Florida Gators fans. Now, Margaret, she loved horses. Uh, she rescued a neglected ex-racehorse in 2009 named Lady, Aww. and uh, she adored her. And then once Lady died, she would continue, Margaret would continue going to the stables. It was the Miracle Lane stables, and she would just help out because she loved horses so much and being around the animals. And everybody said she was a very kind and caring person. And Cody and Grant, the two brothers, were very close. They weren't just brothers. They were best friends. They did everything together. They both went to Timber Creek High School. They both joined the weightlifting team because uh, they loved health and fitness. And then after they graduated, they attended the University of Central Florida's nursing school together with the goal to attend uh, an anesthesiology school. How far apart were they? Uh, two years. Okay. Yeah. Real close family. Yeah, they would be really close. Um, they both dreamed of owning matching BMWs. <laughs> And then uh, they, their plans were to live in the home in Florida after their parents uh, retired. And then they would, you know, of course, take the one that was in Tennessee. So, I mean, it just sounds like a really neat family. They normal. Had, yeah, normal. They had um, their plans for the future. Everybody was excited. And uh, Cody, the older, graduated from the uh, school but Grant dropped out after failing the course. So this is the first uh, maybe deviation from the perfect family as he begins to have problems. And uh, so... Why did he drop out of school? Because he failed. I know, but there wasn't anything going on in his life? I don't know. Be, I just know no, at this point he dropped out. he just dropped out. Yeah. And he also began working at Advent Health Orlando as a nurse because he had his nursing degree. He just wanted to be an anesthesiologist mm-hmm. nurse, and so um, he felt that. But Cody continued to excel. He, he, you know, basically started living the life that they had both talked about living. Now, Grant's hidden struggles began surfacing in June of 2018 
when he was fired from his nursing job for stealing an anesthetic drug called propofol. Oh, no. Or propofol. Propofol. I'm not sure how you say it. But anyway, it was um, basically to put people to sleep. It's the same drug that Michael Jackson used and that killed him. That killed him? Mm-hmm. Mm. And uh, I think, didn't Michael Jackson use it to go to sleep? Like he couldn't sleep. Oh, I mm-hmm. And I think that his doctor would <clears throat> give him that yep. injection or whatever and he would he would go to sleep. So if he was stealing it, he was on drugs. I probably. think so. Or putting people to sleep for other things. Yeah, and I'm not sure if they... Uh, if there's any evidence that he tried to kill any of the patients or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I meant other stuff. Oh, yeah. So they, what they did is they found two empty bottles in patients' rooms uh, <laughs> that he was overseeing, and the doctors had not ordered. So he was but, doing something with them, either injecting himself, which you think it would have immediately put him yeah, to sleep. Maybe the patients. Let but me see why if would I you have leave it in it? my notes. You just leave it there, two bottles. Okay, so here's what I wrote down. Let's see. So they they found the bottles. He was arrested and charged with grand theft, along with improperly administering medications to patients. So he claimed that he, quote, administered the drug to patients because they were not adequately adequately relaxed. So either he was trying to kill them or do something to them. Or he thought they needed to go to sleep, maybe, because he didn't want to work. Or maybe it's just the beginning. Well, I'm going for more evil. To try to see how much it would take, what it would do. Mm-hmm. And then it just ex- escalated. Now, after he was fired, uh, he isolated himself. He was depressed. He spent hours in his room on his computer, and then he'd sleep all day. Mm. His weight plummeted, which let me show you. Oh. So here he is here, but when you look at that... So that's his brother. They're already naturally uh, thin. And then you see him right there. Um, There's another one that, let's see. First thing I would think is drugs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would have thought drugs too. Um, Oh, here's the best example. So this was right before the murders. Look at how skinny he is. Look at the bones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so something's going on. Now, whether he's doing drugs or not, I'm not sure. I can't find any evidence of that. But he's definitely addicted to the computer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so his skin paled. He had dark circles under his eyes. His family, they were worried about him. And um, Cody also, and he shared his concerns about him with his coworkers. The family had no idea what he was really doing all night. Uh, he told them that he was trying to be a streamer on Twitch, which is an American video live streaming service, service that focuses on video game live streaming, including broadcasts of like eSport competitions, music broadcasts, creative content, and then real live streams. Uh, but what he was actually doing was paying for porn. Mm-hmm. Oh. Grant discovered a social platform that let people pay for sexual photos, and videos, and he became obsessed with a webcam model. Now, have oh, y'all heard no. of those? I haven't, no. I don't know what they are. Okay, so let me get the picture of the model. So basically, a webcam model is a real-life person that performs before his or her camera for different purposes. 
this purpose was obviously porn. Mm-hmm. And the cam Cam's model, her screen name was Sylvie. And her real name was Sylvia or Sylvia. Uh, and I can't even pronounce the last name. She was from uh, Bulgaria. So what he would do is he would buy uh, tokens for $600 for 90 minutes. Oh, wow. And in just three months, just try to, how much money do you think he spent? 18000 He isn't working, though, is he? What, how much money do you think he spent? At least twenty, twenty-five. $200,000. <gasps> in three months? Oh my gosh! Oh, you where's could buy he getting a house? the money? Well, he got it from his dad, his mom, his brother, his aunt by stealing it, <gasps> using their credit cards, um, stealing money from them uh, when they were at home. Oh. So he not only was purchasing the tokens, he was also sending her gifts. Wow! And uh, he lied and said that, and it sounds like this initially. He approached his parents for money because he said he wanted to promote himself for his Twitch business. Mm-hmm. So they give him some money, but the other he just was stealing from people. And his aunt, in That's fact... That's a lot of money. Yeah, $200,000 in three months. Does anybody have, like, on their phone? Can they... So if, if you've got uh, $200,000 mm-hmm. divided by 600 how many tokens at a time like how many did he buy in three months oh one of my favorite numbers 333.33 wow so 333 uh 90 minute sessions in three months wow Thirty thousand. is that thirty thousand minutes yeah and then if you have 333 so that means in three months you have about 90 days so this was several times a day that he was doing this. Wow. And his aunt wanted to find charges or file charges against him because after Grant had visited her house, she noticed weird charges on her card. But his dad went and visited with her and talked her out of it. No. Mm-mm. But and it was all on this girl? Yeah. Yeah. Now the poop hit the fan when Chad <laughs> Grant's father found out what was really going on because I'm sure he saw some weird charges. Oh, yeah. But also the aunt, you know, his sister is upset. So the family rallies around him. They take out a second mortgage to pay for the debt. And Which they were responsible for. His legal expenses at the former place of his employment. So don't remember. I mean, remember. Don't, I don't forget. Don't I don't know. Don't, don't forget, forget that he already had that problem. Now he's got this one. And later they did drop the employment charges. They dropped those. The theft. But he never reported, the dad never reported the stolen money because he didn't want his son to get in more trouble. No. Wow. I would have probably reported it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's enabling and mm and again, you've got a child situation, and so you have, you know, like, he's very close to his brother, and it's hard, what I find, I, I, and I have to tell my clients this when I do mentoring, a lot of times they will have an idea of who a person was before everything went south. And I tell them, you're trying to interact with who that person was 10 years ago. Not who he is now. They're no longer that person. Mm-hmm. And so your responsibility is not to try to make them be that person again. Your responsibility is to assess the situation and make sure that you're not in danger, number one. 
what are you willing to do if that person never changes? So what will your life look like? If it looks like you're fine staying with that person or having a relationship with that person, that's fine. If that's, you're okay. Other people, they would rather die than do that. So right. it's like, okay, now you got to take steps to get away. Sometimes the act of taking that action that sounds maybe sometimes unloving can actually be what they need right. to yeah. figure it out. Sometimes they don't. And so in this case, I think they're dealing with their brother that and their son that they've adored, that they've been raised you know, with their whole life. And they're just thinking that he's going through a rough patch. And probably later he'll figure it all uh, out. Oh, gotcha. Sherry, Still, how, man. how old was he? When this part started, I'm not do sure. you know? I think he's probably in his 20s at Early least. Early 20s. Wow. He had already, you know, had some college and stuff. And uh, Cody, his brother, was even more understanding. Uh, in December of the same year, he took Grant and another friend on a trip to Japan. And he paid for all of his expenses, which Aww. were $10,000. Well, they were close. And so that's what that um, photo is. Um, they're in he Japan. Really rough. Oh, okay. Now I understand what he was wearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're in the. What are they called? Kumos. Kumos. Kumonos. Kumonos. Thank you. What's right there with Como? Como. I said that yesterday. Como. I said. What I said. Yeah. Como. Como instead of Como. She said semicolon. I don't even know where that came from. Not sure. It was word association. Happens all the time. Y'all to hear what goes on in my brain. You don't want to hear what goes on in mine. But yeah, you probably don't want to hear. That's what's on in mine sometimes. <laughs> I mean, the bunny trails just never stop. <laughs> now, when Grant returned, he he and his dad Chad fought. Dad Chad, Chad Dad, but cracks me up. But anyway, they fought every single day because Chad wanted him to get a job. Well, who he, wouldn't? Yeah, and he wanted him to pay back what he stole, you know. And so on December nineteenth, Grant left the house after a really bad argument. And he texted his mother, implying he was going to kill himself. So we're seeing the very typical psychopathy. We're seeing the very typical threats of suicide. Um, Like, why can't you get a job? You know, like, that's a reasonable explanation. You owe the family $200,000. And so I think they were trying to deal with someone that they thought was normal. And because there was no signs before. And they were normal up until that point. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I would... Putting a second mortgage on my house to pay for it. Absolutely I don't think not. I There's all. no way. Mm-mm. Daughter, son, Mm-mm. I just, friend. No. Mm-mm. No. I, I'm Wait, sorry. Excuse me. Right. No. Uh, no. You just paused for your friend, you said, not no. your daughter. Daughter, no, friend. Uh, what the hell is that? <laughs> no kidding. And you want us I'll to take care of you when elderly. you're old? Yeah, that just one more check mark. Yeah, I Sherry think my enjoy. situation has just shifted here. <laughs> enjoy. Don't take it personal. No, it's taken personal. How so are we anyway, supposed to take it? She reported him missing, the mother. Hmm. Told uh, police that he had, quote, strong feelings of unworthiness. And so that was her view of Grant's problems and might have led to some of the decisions that made it worse. Yeah. Right. Okay, so I want to interject a little bit on... You know, people, it they will uh, not try to, but they will sometimes enable behavior. Oh, yeah. And the mom is a classic example, um, but I understand why. But the whole idea behind enablement is where you're actually feeding into the destruction of the other individual. Yes. But potentially your own. 
So whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, financial or anything, I had another client that her daughter was a B. I mean, and, and my client's like a sweetheart S personality, you know, so she's trying to kill her with kindness, right? And I looked at her and I said, let me take you into the, the mind of a D personality real quick, because <laughs> that's what I am. And I said, so if she is in the state that she's in, every kind act you do for her is just another notch in her belt that she's won. Right. And it's funny to her. And she doesn't appreciate it at all. In fact, it will just make her worse because you're like prey to her now. So I explained it. It's like a cat that catches a mouse. They don't kill them right away. They play with them mm-hmm. before they kill them. I said, that's what's happening here. Not saying that her daughter's going to kill her. But I said, so you actually need to stop being nice. You need to stop getting her coffee. You need to stop <clears> doing <throat> the, uh, you know, warming up her car on winter mornings and all of that stuff. And you need to switch gears, take all the emotion out. And I guarantee you she will straighten up and it will save your relationship. And that's exactly what she did. And the relationship yeah. is solid. So you have to understand that sometimes kindness will actually make things go way beyond oh, your yeah. control and blow up in your face. Yeah, we have a family member, and she's in, enabled with medication. Yeah. And the nicer he is, the worse it gets. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yep. That's how I was when I was a teenager with my last stepmother. Um, I would manipulate and lie and make her feel bad and she'd be all nice and I would literally walk away laughing because at that point I hated her guts (laughs) well right some think the nicer you are you know it's going to fix things Mm -hmm. but it's just enabling and especially not with people that are psychopathic Mm -hmm. they don't care they don't think like yeah yeah so uh what happened instead of him killing himself he drove to his uh, aunt Donna's house which is his dad's sister I think it's probably the same one And he slept the whole day and spent the entire night awake. And that's when Donna noticed suspicious charges on her checking account for what's called cam girls. So hold on. So this is the same aunt that he had already stolen from. No, I'm wondering if this is an incident where he stole. So I'm wondering if I went back a little bit that this is one of those incidents where he disappeared. He threatened to commit suicide. And then he went to her house and then she noticed the charges and then his dad went over there and got oh, out of trouble. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So I think we're talking about I the same really thing. I really hope not that he stole, the dad got him out of trouble in that situation, stole again, dad got him out of trouble in that situation. No. Yeah. And Donna, you know, let him know, obviously, what happened. Um, he promised to pay her back on Grant's behalf. Uh, Chad then broke down crying. Yeah. Uh, and told her all that had been going on. Yeah. So, at this point, they already know about the 200K. Right. You know. So, Donna later told detectives, he told me on the phone, yeah, I'm going to have to work a few more years than I thought I'd have to, but it's okay. I'll do it for Grant. I don't want him to go to jail. Oh, wow. Maybe no. jail would have been better off. Yeah. I mean, made they, him learn. You got to, there's consequences for actions. And when you're an adult. But sometimes you don't want to see your kids suffer. But go to jail. If he's a, a psychopath, like doctors think yeah. he is, nothing would have helped. I don't know if they would have no, thought he's a psychopath sh- at the time, though. But no. they shouldn't have taken that on. That's no, a burden emotionally, financially. Mm-hmm. Like me, there would be a cutoff for sure. I think they definitely needed to get him out of the house yeah. and yeah. inform yeah. all of the relatives and friends and family, don't let him in your house because yeah. this is what's going on, mm-hmm. and then let him figure it out. Yeah. <clears throat> 
Okay, so they knew what they had to do. They had to stage an intervention. Uh, this is uh, three days later, December 22nd. They went to Donna's house because Grant was still there. They told him that he had to get help. They then drove him to a rehab in Fort Lauderdale where Grant voluntarily enrolled in a 60-day program for sex and porn addiction. He dropped out after two weeks on January 4th, 2019, even after his brother Cody had committed to paying $15,000 for the program. Wow. They just, I, at he this didn't care point, about anybody. it's like, stop yeah. it, guys. You're, you're not helping and it's going to kill you. So it's really, really sad. But this, to me, kind of goes back to the idea that people think they can change or help people beyond what they're willing to do. Yeah. And we're definitely in a situation where he was not returning the effort to right. change. And they needed to recognize that. And they needed, but they're approaching him like an addict and they're thinking they're being helpful, but they're not. You can't make anyone change. No. I wish they would have changed the locks or refused any contact at that point, but they didn't. Uh, and I do know that Cody was concerned for their physical safety as well, which we'll get into. Okay, on January 5th, Chad um, uh, joined Grant at a pizza joint to talk and have lunch. And he had a list of handwritten w- rules that Grant had to abide by if he wanted to come back home. He had to get a job. He couldn't spend all night online. They would no longer pay his phone bill, and they had canceled his previous phone plan. He had to pay back the family, and he had to get into therapy. Also, he was not allowed to communicate with Sylvie. If he did, he would be kicked out immediately. Okay. Grant did not know that Chad had accessed his computer, contacted Sylvie, and explained that Grant had been lying to her. So the dad contacts Uh-oh. this chick. Yeah. <clears throat> loses no. his crap. And lets her well, know that he's not well-to-do. He uh, doesn't have a lot of money. He's not who he says he is. He's living in a room in their house, and he's stolen all this money from Oh, them. I okay. bet he, he was in fury. He was. Because uh, he was telling her that he was a wealthy American. So she was no longer interested in talking with him. Right. Chad also erased everything off his computer and put a password on it so Grant could not get on it when he came home. What efforts? I mean, those are good efforts for um, a child. So this is a video. That's what I'm saying. I'm kind of being a little facetious. He was able to get a phone, and uh, this is what he sent Sylvie. All right, Sylvia. Look at me. I am. I'm outside going to check the mail, and I'm asking you if you can please, pretty please, send me one of your videos. I just, I I love it so much when you just send them to me. Yeah, I, I don't like buying your stuff. It makes me feel weird. Could you please send me one, though? Well, at that point, he had no money. He's begging her for a video. That's all he's concerned about is the video. Mm -hmm. Well, he's an addict. And notice Uh. he said, I feel weird paying for it. Right. So we're going to dive into that and what doctors think was going on here. On January 25th. Well. Oh, go ahead. Did she send him one? No. On January 25th, Cody didn't show up for work. And he didn't answer his phone. His co-workers were concerned because Cody hadn't missed a day of work in five years. They called the police for a wellness check at the Amato home. 
One co-worker told dispatch, I am concerned that something has come of harm to my friend. I know that my friend's brother struggles with depression and I believe suicidal as well. And he mentioned it to me and I'm very worried. Good for her. Now this is where it changes things for me a little bit. So I understand the family's actions to begin with. Mm -hmm. But if at any point you have fear of physical harm, that's a game changer. That's, that's where you are radical in how you deal with this and getting the person out of the home. Mm-hmm. Well, so the friend only identified that the brother had depression and hurting himself. So maybe the friend. Well, later the girlfriend testified that the brother also feared for his own family's life. Hmm. Oh. So they knew. And the suicide thing, they might have, you know, not wanted to take it to homicide as well. Um, so they just went to the, he's been suicidal and depressed. But the fact that they called the police for a wellness check tells me mm-hmm. that they suspected that Grant did something to the family. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking maybe they thought uh, homicide, suicide, because why, I mean, if Grant commits suicide, wellness how check. would it affect, you know, them and their safety? So I yeah. think that they were pretty nervous. And I'm glad they called. That's a good, you know, work situation. That's a good friend. That's a very good friend. But like, you know, we've learned with the the Jason Bond case and the Robert Berenbaum case, don't let these people, don't be alone with these people. I know, I was just thinking why they would let him come back. They didn't. If they, they had any never, idea that he there was some kind of danger. Yeah. Well, Cody, did. yeah. Cody did. I, I bet the parents never even thought. Um, Cody seems to be the one that was really on top of, okay, things are definitely getting a little scary here. I don't know if the mom and dad thought that there was danger to them physically, but they definitely were challenging him to stop. No parent would think, unless it was really bad behavior, that someone's going to kill anybody. Did Cody live in the house still? He did. Okay. So all of them lived at the house. Mm. If your gut's telling you that you're in danger, you need to follow it. And it doesn't matter who it is. And no amount of rules are going to help someone like Grant Amato. He a- a- actually it infuriates them because if he was the psych- psychopathic personality, that is a personality. And not only that, um, being limited in what he wants to do will send them into a rage. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. I mean, that's why we're doing these podcasts is to dissect these and be smart, be rude, and don't be a victim. That's just like a little hint for you guys. Oh, I'm on it. I got it. I'm on it. I don't need reminders. It was just pressure. You were staring at me to see if I'd get it right. Yeah, like the first three years I've done. So anyway, so don't feel terrible. Um, If you have to do that. Oh, okay. No, not you. Um, You may feel rude um, that you have to cut someone uh, off, but don't ignore the red flags. Or correct them. So the Seminole (laughs) County Deputy Todd Moderson arrived at 9.17 a.m., he tried several several times to get the attention of someone inside with no luck. He contacted his supervisor and explained the concern and was given the go-ahead to breach the home. Moderson and another deputy pried open the side door with a knife and they saw her, a horrific scene. Lying in the doorway between the home gym and the garage in a semi-fetal position was Cody. He was dressed in his nursing scrubs and had been shot below the eye. A handgun was five feet away from his body Chad, the dad, was lying face up with two shots to his head in the kitchen area, Mm. and he was wearing a gun holster on one hip with a handgun in it, 
and then Margaret was found in her office, slumped over her desk with one shot to the head. Back? Grant, probably the back. And then, yeah, and Grant was nowhere to be found, and his phone was disconnected. Now I'm going to show some crime scene photos. Well, okay. the dad had to know something because he carried a holster and a gun. I'll get to that. So this is Chad. Mm-hmm. Oh, the brother. And you can see. Oh, he has a. The holster. Is that a gun? Oh, yeah. That's him. And then the dad is right here and so there's the whole story he had one too yeah and so it had been a bit because you can see that the blood has coagulated and dried if you feel you have to work have a gun in the house on your body well that's not what's happening so oh, i'm going to explain okay. what's happening and then this is the mom slumped over the computer desk then Okay. I could see where he'd shoot her in the back of the head if he loved his mother. and Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, so um, that's the scene that they came on to. And then um, uh, I want to show you video of his arrest. So did you hear that? Mm-hmm. He said he just annihilated or something mm-hmm. his entire world, and then one's like he killed his family. And he he said, killed yes. his whole world. He said he killed his whole world. Yeah. So they're about to go in to arrest him. So they're like letting them know this guy has killed yeah. everybody. Oh. So. Okay. Where are they out? A hotel. Okay. How'd they know he was at the hotel? Doesn't he look terrible? Yeah. Yes. He's like lost a, hair. Yeah. Yeah. Weight. He, he looks really, really bad. So he they found him in a hotel uh, at the Double Tree because a bolo had been out, sent oh. out for him, and they found his 1996 Honda Accord in the parking lot. So they go in, and sure enough, he's checked in there. And he, um, what is interesting is. Um, like you know he seemed like really calm like 
Yeah, he did. bag is in there if y'all yeah. need to check that. He slithers like a worm on the carpet to get more out into the, the hallway. So they could arrest him. Mm-hmm. And he opened the door and came out. I think he probably heard the, yeah. the noise and he went ahead and came out. Uh, so uh, he's not an, you know... Uh, He's a smart person. He just is really jacked in the no head. No feelings either. And nothing. Nothing there. Absolutely nothing. nothing. So they asked him <laughs> to come to the station for an interview conducted by detectives Daniel Anderson and Eva Marie Multari, which we saw at the beginning mm-hmm. of the podcast. Grant was very laid back. He talked about his passion for gaming <laughs> and live streaming. And then he also complained about his family. So, but it's always a family. But here's the thing. they Does he want to know why they want to talk to him? He doesn't ask that. No. He doesn't ask what's going on with his family. He goes straight into what he likes to do and then complaining about mm-hmm. his dead family. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. And, uh, and so they interview him with the crime scene photos. And I think this is next. So let me see if that's the next scene. And he may have already known, you know, they know. Well, I but think absolutely no they did. Emotion well, he denied doing anything to them. Oh. Was it an accident like the last one? That was ridiculous. Does it show? Mm-mm. Does it show? Okay. Man, look at him. He this. looks awful. I'm here. Daddy looks. I'm here. Hey, we really appreciate you coming with us. Why do you think we're having this conversation? I honestly don't know, but I'm pretty freaked out at this point because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know, like, how the situation was when I left. I mean, you're a smart guy. You know something's happened at your home. You have law enforcement here. You haven't heard or gotten any Well, I mean, I'm, I'm just scared as what the answer is. What the answer is. Give me a roundabout what you're thinking. That somebody in my family's dead. And how does that make you feel if you think that you're thinking that? I have absolutely no ability to, to comprehend the words. Or feel. He's actually being very concrete. I don't think that he has the ability to experience that empathy. The tone of his voice is strange. It's kind of teletype in tone. It is related to that lack of emotional connectivity, that empathy, that ability to convey emotions to other people and hear emotions from other people. That is a sign of psychopathy in him. Did you do anything to Cody? No. Did you do anything to your mother? No. Did you do anything to your father? No. Do you have any reason to believe that anybody else would harm them? No. Did you leave the house with your brother Cody looking like that? Or did you leave the house with your father looking like that? Or your mother? Is that how you left your family? No. Do you see how long he looked at the pictures? 
first he had his covered eye, and then when he got the pictures of the dead family, he just really. Well, I didn't know, notice that he looked at him in depth because he started covering his face, but like um, he, he went on. So after that, you know, they showed the crime scene photos. Um, he starts getting, you know, like, sounds like he's a little bit teary-eyed. Now, whether that's you know, true, true or, or not, not, I don't know. Yeah. But he described his dad as being angry, overbearing, and physically, physically violent toward all of them except Cody when they were younger, which everyone denied. Uh, mm-hmm. That knew the family, including Jason, the older brother. So oh, don't forget yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. So he's the only survivor. I only oh. remembered him when I saw the picture of the three boys. Yeah, and he is um, right here at the, and I think he's already married, or that's his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, so he did admit to spending a lot of time talking to Sylvie. He told detectives his father hacked into his computer and gained access to personal things related to Sylvie. He was angry that Chad told Sylvie the truth and that his father had been nagging him to get a job. He said with him, it was every single day. He'd come from home from work, and then he would just talk to me about the same thing over and over and over again. Poor thing. To me, that's the worst thing to do, actually, with someone like him. Um and, and it's it's funny because you're trying to convince people yeah. for their own sake, but mm-hmm. also for the relationship, you know, please make this change. Well, uh, I have a friend that she had a son living with her, and she would bring up all the time, you know, hey, you're only going to be able, allowed to live here if you can pay rent. The minute you can't pay rent, you're out of here or, you know, blah. And she would just remind him of the same things. And and I told her, I said, yeah, that's not serving any purpose. Mm-hmm. He knows. You've Give already him told date. him. Yep. The reason you're telling him is you want to feel that you know for sure that you've made yourself clear. You have made yourself clear. So if he gets to that point, then that is his decision. And she was also trying to spark him to action, and it didn't work. And so finally she told him, you need to leave. And he did. But what stood out to the detectives is after three years of being interviewed, Grant did not ask one time what happened to his family, uh, and that's at the point they decided to show him the crime scene mm-hmm. photos. Because they already years, knew what happened. Three hours. hours. Sorry. Three oh, hours. Okay. So that was three yeah. hours into the interview at that point. They've been trying to get him to break, and he's not breaking. He already knew. Why, should he, why would he break? When you know? Now, the Moltari, the uh, female detective, she listed all the things that Grant had told them toward uh, that pointed towards him killing his family, Grant's mental state, his debt, the fights with the father. And she said, who left your family like this? Tell us what happened. We need the truth. You've got to tell the truth. It's on the tip of your tongue, said Anderson, the other detective. And then he repeated he didn't do it. And then then they're like, well, who could have done it? He said, I don't know. I've been getting blamed this last half year for everything. (laughs) And I've been trying to move forward in a positive direction. Every day I'm reminded of all the trouble that I've caused, and I keep being told the same thing over and over again, that there's nothing I can do to change it. What's interesting, it's like if you poor thing, then leave the house. Right. Oh, no, because they were his, that's why I was saying they were enabling No, I totally get all Mm -hmm. of that, but I'm like, shut up and leave. (laughs) Right. I wonder if the main reason he killed them was over that girl, that woman. Well, absolutely. Because that's all he cares about, really. So... His older brother, Jason, 
came to speak with him in the interrogation room. Oh. And Grant denied mm. that he had done anything. But this is an interesting exchange. I'm not going to play hug. all of it, but I'll play some of it. Yeah. They're hugging. Let me get the volume on. Gosh, look how bony. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. And I can't, I can't call that shot. 
He's not an organ donor. I had to say no. So that means there's someone out there that could have used his organs, but we weren't prepared for this. I don't feel comfortable with you being around me. Okay, so now he's he's in grief, <clears throat> and his mind is trying to figure out how am I going to handle all of this, you know? Yeah. Because his entire family has been annihilated, and he's like, okay, so, you know, we've got these properties. We've I've got to, you know, make these decisions. I mean, it was just, it was blowing him away. And so it may be a little bit strange that he went to that, but that's where he's at right now. Like, okay, so if you didn't do it, now what we're going to have to do is take care of all of their stuff, make phone calls, all of this, okay? See, yeah, I didn't see that that way. I saw part of it that way, but I thought he was telling him what he had to do so to trigger him to, to tell the truth. To trigger him to tell so his brother and family wouldn't have to do all that. Maybe. You know, just but still sympathy and still it's real. Mm-hmm. But a little of both. Oh, and you can see he's just trying to figure yeah, out yeah. how but on I think earth did this happen. He's trying to bait him a little bit too. So <laughs> and we'll, I don't think his mother get, knew he was on the phone. And I don't think his brother gave no, him the debit did. card. She did. She did. She gave him the phone. I yeah, could the see police that. later confirmed that. So um, I could see that. Okay, and then this is how he finishes. Mom, mom telling me that what? What about uh, what? Did you, yeah. Um, Plus, it's hard. I don't know what else to say, but. I'm scared for you, and I'm scared for myself, and I don't feel comfortable with you being around me alone. I'm sorry. I could take you physically, but if you have a knife or know where a gun is, I'm And I have little girls that I have to raise. I have a woman that is depending on me for the rest of my life. So they silenced it because he was talking about her name and stuff. Mm. Mm. I understand. <laughs> he hadn't moved, budged, no. nothing. No emotion. It's going to be so hard for me to figure out what to do with you. You do not deserve jail. But I can't come to fucking have attorney press charges for you to be killed. Grant, I need you to be honest with me, man. I need to have closure. And if it doesn't come from your mouth and I have to hear it from an attorney or a, a law enforcement or the news, it's going to be harder for me. And I know if you can take mom and dad and Cody's life, it's hard for you to come that my emotions are going to be that, but it's unbelievably scary, Grant. That was smart of him. That was very smart of him. And then he also um, gave him a hug and uh, said that he would pray for him or something. And um, he actually got let, like he went home because they didn't have enough evidence that he did it, so they had to build a case. That's why he was saying, I don't feel safe with you with me. Oh, he did go home? Yeah. What in, what the, in world? the world? So why couldn't they charge him with something else? Minor. They didn't have anything else. 
So Jason said, I'm going to pray for you, brother, because I can't pray for mom, dad, or Cody anymore. Wow. So Jason had a solid alibi, obviously. Um, Grant said that he had been home all day getting ready for a job interview, and then his father came home and started an argument and blah, 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 blah. And then his dad also found out that he had convinced his mom to let him contact Sylvie. And that's when Chad was livid and told him to get out. He said that he packed all of his stuff. He left after talking with his dad for another hour in the driveway. He said that Chad gave him a credit card for a hotel. You believe that? Well, he had lied to his brother then. He said that Cody gave him his debit card. And he had one. He said that Cody came home during this time and Grant briefly spoke with him, said goodbye to his mother and left. He at first gave an earlier time for leaving, but later changed it to between 12 and 12.30 a.m. January 25th. And he said his family was alive. He said that when he went to the local Publix grocery store to use a Wi-Fi to get directions for his interview the next day, because <laughs> he didn't have data for his phone, because his dad right. canceled it, call that he fell asleep in the car, and then he woke up at 6.45 and drove to the interview. Mm-hmm. Now, among those interviewed was Cody's girlfriend, Sloan, and she said that Grant had stolen just $60,000. So out of the 200000 60000 of it came from Cody. And that he also um, sold his guns so that he could sell them. And that Cody expressed fear that Grant was becoming increasingly unhinged and that he would, quote, kill everyone. So they arrested him the 28th for three counts of first-degree murder. He pled not guilty and was held on $750,000 bail. He couldn't use his parents' money per judge's orders and was unable to make bail. Good. That's good, though. So his trial began July 23rd, 2019, and he was looking at the death penalty, you know, because it's Florida. Yeah. yeah. Um, The assistant state attorney, Stuart uh, Stone, and then Dominic Leo, they led the prosecution. They pointed out that this was a targeted execution. Nothing was taken. There was no forced entry. They believed that Grant Amato spent January 24th at home with his mother, Margaret, Blade testified that the last time there was activity on her computer was 4.44 p.m. With this information, the prosecution deduced that Grant shot Margaret around 4.45 p.m. at her desk. At 5.25 p.m., the health app on Chad Amato's iPhone recorded him taking 67 steps, probably from the car to the house, and then for 27 minutes there was no activity at all on his phone. This indicates to the prosecution that Grant killed his father as soon as he entered the house. Mm -hmm. The first shot to his head did not kill him. That's why there was blood all over the floor. And so they think that he was dragging himself to a phone and then he was shot in the head a second time. Mm. Geraldine Blade uh, testified at 552 Chad's iPhone was unlocked and the settings on the phone were changed so that the phone would stay unlocked and it remained unlocked until after midnight. Grant then waited for Cody to return home from work. He left work around 9.15 p.m. on January 24th, so now hours have passed. Cody barely made it into the house before his brother shot him in the face. Prosecutor Stone said to the jury, For over four hours, with the bodies of his dead mother and father in the house, the defendant waits for Cody to come home. By any definition of the word cold, these murders were cold. A neighbor of the Amato's, Jennifer Sawyer testified that she heard gunshots between 8.30 and 9.30. She didn't know exactly how many were fired, but it was less than five. At 11.32, a thumb drive with over 600 photos and videos of Sylvie 
were inserted into Grant Amato's computer. This thumb drive would later be found by investigators in the pocket of his jeans in his car. At 11.39, Cody's iPhone was connected to Grant's computer, but the trusting process was not completed, suggesting that whoever had connected the phone didn't know the passcode. Three minutes later, the phone was put in recovery mode. Based on everything else I examined, I believe the uh, person was trying to wipe the phone. Mm. Blaze said at 12.08, Chad Amato's USS, USAA banking app was accessed using his biometric fingerprint. Oh. Um. Based on your training experience, are you aware of whether iPhones have been successfully unlocked with a deceased, fingers pre- fin- a deceased person's fingerprint? They asked her, and she said yes. His right index fin- finger was less bloody than the other's suggesting that he first wiped it of blood and then he used it to open uh, the uh, banking app. At 2.45 a.m., Grant accessed Wi-Fi. At 3.06, he paid $599.99 to reopen his Cam Girls account. Oh, my gosh. All over porn. Yeah. And he also tried to stage the, the murder scene, so the guns... What he did is he made it look like Cody went in, shot both of his parents, and then himself. That he, he even placed bullets around the scene to correspond with the number of shots for each victim. He then placed the gun holster on Chad's right side to make it look like there had been a confrontation between the two. The problem is it's a cross-draw holster meaning that Chad, who was right hand, would have been wearing it on his left hip. Otherwise, he would have had to pull the gun out awkwardly and point it at himself and then change it to point at uh, whoever he was firing at. You know, one thing, the neighbors heard the gunshots. Please call the police if you hear gunshots. Right. It's okay. Yeah, they should have. They absolutely Mm should have. Um, Both Chad and Cody's bodies also appear to have been moved, which that surprised me. Uh, neither gun at the scene was used in the crime scene. So here he puts these guns down, right. but none of them were used. Not and the moves brightest it. brightest bulb in the bunch. After a suicide, bodies typically don't move. Right, right. Twice. Investigators discovered that Blake Turpin, a longtime friend of Cody and Grant's, reported a missing 9mm Jericho handgun that was stolen from his closet in his bedroom. He didn't know how long it was gone because he barely used it. But two weeks before the shooting, Grant, Cody, and another friend were there hanging out playing video games. So Grant was there. At one point, Grant excused himself to use a restroom, and he knew where the guns were set or kept. Uh, he didn't physically see Grant take it, but the polygonal rif- rifling at the crime scene matched uh, Jericho. Gun Jeez. Mm-hmm. And the gun was never recovered. They also found a letter that Grant had written to six online friends who were also part of Sylvie's chat room. It was written between January 4th and January 24th. And so remember, he left the the rehab the 4th. He told his friends that everything he told them about his life was made up. He also expressed anger toward his family that they made him go to rehab, had spoken to Sylvie, and told her the truth. He said that his father was controlling and abusive and that his mother was simply around for security. He says that his brother was also controlling and doesn't understand how I could care for someone as I cared for Sylvie. Wow. Blaming all the victims. Yep. 
And he said, seeing her so happy without me in her life is something I hope you guys never have to live through. It is a feeling that rips your heart out and makes me realize how pointless everything is without her. Without her. Yeah. Wow. And they really had nothing as far as defense. You know, they tried to pull the usual, well, they didn't look at other suspects deal. Well, no. You know, and did it they, didn't happen. Did they, make, did they have her testify? Sylvie? Uh-huh. No. But I did find out a little something about why he might have gotten so attached. Why? Which is interesting. But let me finish this okay. part. So after 18 hours or 8 hours of deliberation, the jury found him guilty of premeditated murder of his parents and brother. They sentenced him on August 12, 2019 to life without parole, partly due to the psychologist's opinion that he wouldn't pose a threat in prison and would be a model inmate. Mm. Eight hours. I was just thinking that. Why so long? Well, I mean, they did That's have quick. a lot of that is evidence quick. to go through. I meant that. Why so oh. short? Yeah. Now, um, the prosecutor yeah. said his parents and brother's bodies aren't even cold. And he's already reestablishing or trying to reestablish contact with Sylvie. Mm-hmm. Leo uh, said, noting Amato had his passport with him when he was found by police. He was just wanting for her to say, I love you too. Come to Bulgaria and come to see me. Wow. Okay. So the antisocial personality disorder, a.k.a. psychopathy. I wanted to give some signs for our listeners uh, because this is you know one that... I don't know if they would have seen the signs, if they would have done things differently, but this is from Healthline.com, and it says that um, psychopathy can include behavior that conflicts with social norms. I would say spending $200,000 yeah. in three months would be that. Disregarding or violating the rights of others. All right. Inability to, to distinguish between right and wrong, which that one's a little bit scary for me because that could almost be a definition of insanity, yet he premeditated and he tried to cover it yeah, up so they couldn't get him off on that difficulty showing remorse or empathy tendency to lie often manipulating and hurting others recurring problems with the law general disregard towards safety and responsibility <laughs> expressing anger and arrogance on a regular basis well he fit it all don't know about the anger and arrogance portion but yeah everything else for sure. He blamed everybody. He well, was angry at everybody. I, I would well, no, say. that was afterwards. Like, we don't know how the arrogance and anger up until that point. Yeah, we don't know what he displayed at that. Mm-hmm. But we do know that he was angry and he was arrogant. I just don't think it showed mm-hmm. until later. Now, they might have seen it, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, there's some behavior that you need to look for. A lack of deep emotional connections. They have a superficial charm about them. They can be very aggressive, and they can get very angry sometimes. Mm. That was just strange. Wow. Siri okay. interrupting. Um, so I'm not sure. Like it, it sounds like to me, if a person is a psychopath and they hurt someone, they don't respond like a normal way. Nope. They don't say, I'm sorry, or anything like that. And it makes me wonder, like, if I, as kids, let's say that, You've got a kid that already has signs of psychopathy, and let's say they accidentally hurt another kid. Mm-hmm. I would think the response would be that it was their fault. Yeah. They shouldn't have gotten my way, or yep. they shouldn't have said that, or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yep. I think you can maybe start seeing it early 
um, in a child where they just never, ever will take responsibility. They won't take discipline and, you know, change their behavior. It's always everyone else's fault. But sometimes if they don't know what to look for, you know what I mean? They don't dig into this like we do. They might think, oh, it's just a kid. Oh, yeah. They absolutely I mean, mean that's probably. just a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it's it's interesting that he started when he got older. But things could have been happening in the home. I think that he was Jack yeah. for a while, actually. Yeah. Uh, because like I was saying, and I, it might have been the last episode, that it is a personality. Mm-hmm. It's not a mental illness. Right. It's how they are mm-hmm. on the character. inside. character. Yeah. I use that yeah. term loosely. Yeah. yeah. Um, they also said that they can be impulsive, abusive, and of course lack um, empathy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the abuse doesn't necessarily mean violent. They say that it's more common in men than women. And then typically when you receive a diagnosis of this, you have to be at least 18 years old because some children will show signs of the disorder, but it, it's not necessarily an indicator that they're psycho- right. psychopathic. Right. Right. It's a long-term uh, condition that can at times improve with age. Um, so they said that can definitely happen. And then their uh, mortality rates are higher because of their behavior problems. Yeah. So the main signs I want people to hear is a disregard for others, lack of empathy, narcissism, and antisocial behavior. That can change? It, it can uh, lessen as they age. Really? Mm-hmm. I think you can learn skills if you have difficulty in some of those areas. You can, but, it, but if you're born adapt. that way, that's your personality. Yeah, but you can still learn, adapt, mm-hmm. try to function yeah. Absolutely. properly. I mean, when I look at my personality as a D, you know, even a few years ago to today, it's different. So mm-hmm. I think people can definitely learn things, but they have to be willing to. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. So here's what you do. Um, well, first of all, um, before we get into why they think he became so obsessed with her, here's some things that you need to know. Um, they usually follow a three-step process. They assess the utility, weakness, and defenses of those around them. That's so they look for any weak areas to get mm-hmm. in. They manipulate others to bond with them and get what they want. Mm-hmm. So there's where the love bombing. Mm-hmm. And the narcissism. Yep. And then they abandon their targets and move on. Yep. Or they kill them. And if they're did. dysfunctional. Mm. Uh, so people just need to know that sometimes people are very bad. Uh, if you have a fa- family member with this disorder, speaking with a therapist or counselor can help you get a more full understanding of the diagnosis, um, maybe even perhaps the severity of the, the family member, and then help you come out up with a plan to keep you safe. Right, yeah. They can also um, help you think about past interactions with this individual and note if anything felt off or manipulative and then try to keep track so that you can begin to identify when they're sneaking in those weak areas and they're trying to get you and you can start looking for patterns and set up healthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, for some, you may have to have uh, zero or limited contact. Identify patterns in their behavior and note how it has impacted your life. Are you being manipulated in a certain way? Are you scared or worried about one of their behaviors? Is there a way to get yourself out of that particular set of interactions or out of the situation completely? Take note of interactions that don't feel right to you and prepare for future ones and what you can do better to protect yourself. And then, finally, prioritize 
protecting yourself and your children if you have any. Um, that way you can be safe. Now, they mm-hmm. did say that female psychopaths are different from men. How? Um, I would think more manipulative. I'm not oh, sure. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I mean, not just because, like, not because women are more manipulative, although they statistically may be, but I'm just thinking sex, finances. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like maybe there's more um, ways that they manipulate than a man, yeah. Okay, so on the cam model, I want to show you two more pictures. Okay. So you've got this one where she's beautiful, you know, she's uh, set up for this. And then she would also send him these. Okay, so this is her not all dressed up. This is just, just normal. everyday, normal. They said... Completely different to me. That she would sometimes be on their, you know, cam things like that to make him think they had a legitimate relationship so he would pay more money. Um, That's So she could be a um, psychopath. Oh. Nobody else. That's very interesting. All right. So it's time. All right. You know, is someone like that, though, her especially, can't be prosecuted? No. I mean, because she sort of was. First of all, she's in a different town, you know, country. I mean, yeah. 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 But she's also, I mean, it's a business. I think it's pretty sorry what um, happened. They do. But, you know, he's the one that had. I don't know if he had a mental illness, but I think he was... I, I believe his mom. He had low self-worth. Um, and she was feeding yeah, for his sure. significance. Mm-hmm. And, and they were taking that away, and he couldn't handle it. She was 100% a narcissist. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, I know them all. Do you want me to tell you? No. All right. Be smart. Be rude. <laughs> be rude. And don't be a victim. Outline of a Murder is a Mr. Joseph production. What do you think, Joseph? (laughs) 